You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Now here's our host, Jason Mercer. Hi, everyone. It's Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. It's no question that there is a housing shortage across the GTA, and certainly we covered this off um, in our recently released Market Year Review and Outlook report. And as part of that report, um, Urban Strategies produced uh, a report and excellent research on the concept of the missing middle and how we can see a greater diversity of, of housing built throughout the greater Toronto area. And today we have urban strategies planner and city builder, Joe Barrage, and urban designer, Michelle Trochme here to talk about the Missy Middle and how it can help increase housing supply. And this topic is, is timely. And what they'll share is transformative for the real estate industry. And it also addresses critical issues currently facing the marketplace today. So Joe and Michelle, thank you very much for joining Ready to Real Estate today. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having us. Well, thanks very much. And, and, and to, to both of you, and, and certainly, you know, I, I'm happy just to sort of go back and forth and, and have this discussion between the three of us. Let, let's unpack what the missing middle is and, and the many dif different forms of, of housing this can take. And certainly it's a, it's a term that's been thrown around a lot over the last few years as, as the realization um, you know, ha has come about that, you know, whether we're talking about the city of Toronto or the surrounding 905 and even 705 area code regions that, you know, we're, we're not seeing housing supply, both in terms of ownership or rental, you know, keep up with demand as, as this region continues to grow through, you know, strong crop population growth and what have you, with, you know, COVID-19 notwithstanding. So, you know, I'll turn it over to both uh, you, Joe, and, and also Michelle to, I guess, first talk about, you know, what is the Missy Middle and perhaps how does it differ between, you know, different parts of the region? Sure. Well, let me start. Michelle will jump in. Um, what essentially the missing middle means is that for the last really many decades, uh, all we have been really building in the greater Toronto region is houses and tall apartment buildings and nothing in between. And it's interesting when you look at uh, the cities that you live in, actually, there's quite a tradition of smaller apartment buildings, low rise apartment buildings, uh, of, of multiple family occupation of single family houses and such like. But that seems for a whole bunch of reasons to have dried up. Uh, and it's a pity because there really are a tremendous number of opportunities in that space between the house and the high-rise apartment building. Uh, and so what we did in the report was to look at exactly what physical forms that could take. Uh, and you can run everywhere through from just quite simply uh, making legal uh, secondary apartments in a, in a, in a regular house. Uh, you can go a little bit further, which is making much more easy the attachment of a granny flat on the back of a house. You can go further again and talk about a, a laneway house in those parts of the city which have lanes. Uh, and then you can talk about even a garden flat, uh, a separate structure being built in the backyard. Uh, that's, that's on things that are just traditional houses. Uh, when you start to look at um, the, 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 the bigger city, then there are lots of opportunities along our main streets, along the, 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 the big avenues uh, for doing a kind of middle intensification, not high rises, but stuff that's in the four to six story range. Yeah, I think it's really important to make a distinction between 
the older urban neighborhoods in Toronto and elsewhere in the GTA and the, the, the kind of former suburbs and the various rings of suburbs that occurred uh, after the Second World War. And, and the, the reason why it's important is because the scale of the lots, uh, the structure of the streets and blocks changed. And so whereas in downtown and, and neighborhoods around uh, the older part of the city, we have narrow, very deep lots uh, in, in the subsequent a uh, series of different neighborhoods that began to to pop up post-war. Um, <clears throat> we have wider and wider lots uh, on on bigger properties, but more curved streets and, and a different kind of character. So um, the kinds of housing that you, and especially the kinds of missing middle forms that might be appropriate in um, in more downtown neighborhoods that Joe just alluded to, such as um, uh, granny flats or, or laneway houses uh, might not lend themselves to neighborhoods that are on wider lots, which uh, don't have laneways or um, are, are have different kind of constraints. And so therefore uh, might offer different kinds of opportunities such as garden suites uh, or, you know, rebuild uh, on wider kind of 40 foot, 50 foot lots, 60 foot lots rebuilding to, um, you know, multiple units uh, and multiple lots. I think it's interesting to start to talk about why um, this is so important. Um, and also, uh, you know, everybody says, you mean to say that uh, my house is no longer my house anymore, that anybody can come and build something in the backyard or my neighbors can, can double up? Well, what's fascinating is when you look at the statistics, the population of the single family residential areas of the greater Toronto region is going down. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, you're going, going down significantly by sort of five, 10% uh, over the last couple of decades. Uh, and this is important because think of the schools, uh, think of, 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 of local shopping, uh, think of all of the community facilities. If you don't have a population to support them, or if your population is always uh, older people, um, then, you know, the, something isn't going to be working. So, Part of the missing middle is actually a human missing middle. It's to, to make it much easier for younger people and families and kids uh, to be able to come into that large part of the city, which is essentially now, now kind of locked down for single family housing. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, you know, and, and, and the point you make about schools actually, you know, it, there's also, you know, there's the social side of things, the cultural side of things, but there's also the economic development side of things as well. Like if you think about, you have some neighborhoods throughout the city um, that, uh, you know, where, where the schools are oversubscribed and there's placards up saying, look at if you move to this neighborhood, you may not be able to get a spot in the school or as you have others. Um, where there's a surplus of spaces in the schools and obviously people have, have you know, chosen either not to live there in the first place or, or they've moved on to, uh, to other areas. And, and it seems like, you know, some of those areas would be, uh, you know, prime candidates to, to, to look at, you know, perhaps, you know, changing the, 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 the fabric of, of uh, you know, both housing, but also thinking about, you know, broader real estate development into, into, the, uh, into the commercial uh, space as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's, you talk about those signs, uh, you know, because like, I see them all around, but that's because I live in downtown Toronto. Yeah. Now, only about uh, a quarter, slightly less, of the residential part of the city commits anything other than single family houses. 
So yeah. if you think about this town, this town is growing at 150,000 people a year, potentially even more. Uh, and so you've got to stick 150,000 people into 25% of the urban area. You know, it's getting, uh, getting to be a problem. Yeah. The other, the other thing, uh, Jason, is it's not just about schools, right? It's about yeah. everything else that depends on a kind of critical mass of people living nearby. So transit, for example, can't function if there isn't a ridership within walking distance, enough of a ridership. Um, you know, the kinds of small main street retail, you know, one or two blocks or four corners that, that we all, you know, love in our neighborhoods. Again, uh, post-COVID, none of, none of this will, will, will make sense if there isn't a kind of critical mass of people who can walk to uh, those areas and um, and you know and shop. So there's a lot of other things that are tied into to, to the missing middle um, question. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I know as urban strategies, you're involved in sort of larger you know master plan uh, projects, both you know in in the Greater Toronto area and Ontario and all around the world. And you know, I, I think that there's a there's a connection between you know talking about different types of housing that that obviously we could we could utilize to a build more units and b provide a greater diversity of housing. But I think there's also a linkage back to um, you know taking a harder look at at you know the employment uses that we have right now in some parts of the city of Toronto and and even the surrounding regions and and ask ourselves, well, you know, is that the highest and best use? Is there is there are there opportunities to not only mix a greater diversity of housing, but perhaps rethink you know the types of employment uses that uh, um, that, that that we're seeing on some of these these lands and 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 you know allow for that you know basically a sort of a rebuilding a rebirth of some of these areas around the uh, the region. Well, yeah, you're dead right. Sorry, Michelle. The, the, well, the other thing that I find really interesting about uh, this, you know, discussion on missing middle is the development industry is leading with um, more and more uh, residential on main streets. We're seeing it on all of our main streets and arterials and things of that nature, not just in in the tra traditional downtown portions of Toronto, but also in the suburbs where former small, uh, you know, shopping plazas are being converted to, um, to five, six, eight uh, story mid-rise buildings facing those main, main streets. And that's all development uh, developer led generally. But what's really exciting about this is an opportunity for uh, finer grain um, individual-led, individual property owner-led infill in a way that's almost, you know, almost invisible or imperceptible. It's, it's, it's something that happens very slowly over time and uh, is, is not about completely changing and um, altering the character of neighborhoods. It's just the kind of slow growth that will, I think, in the, in the fullness of time, be hugely beneficial uh, to all of the neighborhoods within the GTA. You know, one of the other things that's significant is we have an affordability problem. There is no question. Um, and uh, I think the, the, uh, the, the promotion of missing middle at, at the house level, so the, the, the ability to get rent off a second apartment, uh, the ability to uh, move your, 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 your granny into a, a separate building uh, in the back garden, uh, and, and not pay uh, uh, for her separate accommodation means that families 
can start to uh, you know, balance the budget much more easily. Uh, and there's much more flexibility. Uh, so as uh, one of your kids uh, grows up, gets married, you know, they, they potentially don't have to move away. They've got for, for a moment uh, a place within the bigger home. The, the truth of the matter is this has actually been happening uh, but uh, across the, the city of Toronto and other places, but right now it's happening illegally, uh, which isn't great either. So I think it would be a very good idea from a whole bunch of reasons to say, let's get serious, let's get real about this, and, and how do we promote this and, and make what's really happening legal. I think, you know, the point that Joe just made about affordability is, is essential. The, the other colliery to, to that is, is the fact that you, um, it's, it's also about kind of social impact. Uh, as many of us are in this kind of sandwich generation of both raising kids and, and teenagers, but also <clears throat> having to deal with um, aging parents, uh, the ability to have multiple generations living in a household uh, is not, not just an affordability issue, but it's also just about so social sustainable and ability and, and resilience. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, and, and I think it's a nice segue to, you know, talk about the policy side of this a little bit more, you know, a little more than, than 20 years ago, I started at uh, U of T planning school and the first paper I wrote, you know, we, we were talking about, uh, you know, what could be done uh, to allow for secondary suites, uh, you know, across the what, what was, you know, the newly amalgamated city of Toronto. Yeah. Um, during that period of time, and, and, and we're ha still having that discussion now. But I guess, you know, thinking more broadly, both about, you know, secondary suites and, and, that, and that type of, you know, organic growth and supply, but also uh, touching upon what Michelle was talking about earlier, where, you know, you have developer-led development, uh, uh, where you have, say, mid-rise apartments on a main street. I mean, what's the role of policymakers to kind of see, you know, perhaps are allowing for that sort of gradient of density and, and development types sort of from the main street back into these, uh, you know, traditional single family neighborhoods. I mean, the, the city of Toronto, for example, um, through their sort of missing middle plan that was passed through council last year. I mean, they're looking at some case studies around the, uh, the, the city. And I guess, you know, what, what message should policymakers be getting about, you know, uh, you know, what they should be looking at and what they should be trying to avoid as they work their way through these case studies moving forward. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, is, it is really good. I mean, I, I, I'm slightly older at U of T planning school than you are, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> missing middle was a big issue back then, too. Um, sure. And secondary apartments. Let's talk about the secondary apartments thing. Uh, they are now legal uh, everywhere across uh, the city of Toronto. Um, and that's, that's pretty significant. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, that, you know, there have been various housing economists, uh, uh, the, the, the Clayton, Frank Clayton, uh, in particular, suggesting that that move alone could free up hundreds of thousands of additional units. Um, the, the more uh, tricky things to do uh, are the laneway housing garden suites. Those are now legal right across the old city of Toronto, the, right. the, the center of, 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 of the urban area. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, we've, we've talked to Mississauga, we've talked to some of the other uh, 905 boroughs. They are moving certainly uh, in these directions. I don't think that they finally uh, got there. But as Michelle was saying, it's, it's, they have a slightly different geography. So you have to respond in a slightly different way. Uh, and I think the, the uh, yes, they should be permitting secondary uh, suites in, uh, universally, I think. <laughs> 
Uh, but the kind of Main Street redevelopment of, uh, of strip malls, uh, giving a giving a, a minimum six story height so that there actually is some economic uh, justification for doing that kind of thing. Um, those I think are gonna be productive areas uh, for them to explore. So I feel optimistic about the missing middle policy legislative framework. Um, there are a lot of other places we looked at other cities around the world, uh, you know, Vancouver, Portland, Oregon, uh, you know, several others who are at Milwaukee, uh, who are tending to move in this direction as well. So uh, it's one of these ideas I think his time has come. Yeah, I was very, <clears throat> very interested to find that Calgary, for example, has been uh, <clears throat> already for about 10 years uh, allowing infill housing in, in its kind of suburban uh, neighborhoods. And it's been very, very successful. Uh, and it's contributed to the, you know, to the growth of a downtown population. Um, and, you know, for, for a city like Calgary, which which has no limits. It could grow for, you know, for, for, for the next century, it could grow out towards the, uh, the, the Rockies, et cetera, uh, and become the next Los Angeles. Um, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's, I think, a very instructive thing that even cities such as Calgary are, are, are able to do this. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, and you know, when, I, when I'm thinking about the Missy Middle, and, and, and you mentioned it, um, too, in, in, in earlier, Joe, in, in relation to, you know, we, we need to have that, that base of, of ridership to support public transit as well, which, you know, the two seem to be conducive, you know, you have, you know, high to, to mid-density housing around station areas and what have you. And we've heard the provincial government, you know, talking about, um, you know, working towards a, a strategy, I guess, of more cohesive development around station areas as we're seeing an expansion of, of, of transit, both in terms of the subway, but also, you know, go service um, as well. And, and, and maybe both of you could talk a little bit more about sort of that, that linkage between transit and the, and the prospect for, for missing middle housing, you know, the high to medium density uh, uh, housing and, and, and the importance, but also I guess the, uh, the potential for, you know, expanded subway service to promote that type of development. It, 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 the province are doing exactly the right thing. I mean, they really are uh, being very aggressive. I mean, the numbers that they're suggesting for uh, minimum density targets uh, for people and jobs around stations are, are high and, and, and all credit to them for doing that. But I think it's also important to go back to the, the thing we were talking about earlier, which is that, yes, you should be uh, getting high densities in those special urban growth areas around stations and in downtowns. But you, you want to, don't want to leave 75% of the urban area uh, as it is, um, because that's where house by house by house by house, you can make a tremendous impact, not just in numbers, but the thing that Michelle and I were talking about earlier, in terms of just the social quality, the, 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 this business of losing population has only just begun because the baby boom is getting older every year. Uh, and basically to a significant extent, the suburbs are hugely occupied by baby boomers. Uh, and uh, that is a, um, uh, a, 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 a challenge for, uh, for, for any city growing as fast as we are if you don't have access to 75% of the residential urban area. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And it presents a real sort of <clears throat> physical argument uh, uh, to this whole concept as well. Because I mean, right now, uh, um, city council is, is, is debating, you know, different, uh, different 
prospects for you know filling that revenue gap that that, that that's uh, uh, resulted uh, from 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 COVID nineteen. But I think it, it presents a, a broader, longer term issue as well. Is that you know if people are moving further afield because they can't find the you know the type of housing they need uh, at an affordable level within the city of Toronto, that it presents a longer term issue around. Um, you know, how are you going to balance the books and, and, and provide services? So, you know, the notion of, you know, bringing on more supply for supply's sake and, and to, to, to account for population growth, you know, is one side of the coin, but the other is to, is to sustain the population that you have right now. Well, it's a, it, there's, there's a huge economic development issue here. I mean, it's fascinating to watch what's going on in San Francisco. Uh, and, uh, you know, San Francisco is kind of priced its way out of the market through being incredibly restrictive uh, on missing middle type development. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are a tech hub just like San Francisco is. And we depend upon the easy accommodation of those highly valuable uh, the, the players in the workforce uh, to be able to find places. And I mean, it is, it is, crazy when you tell people uh, in the States that the average house, as, as the real estate board just announced, the average house, the price of a house in Toronto has gone over a million. Well, even when you turn that into, into American dollars, you could buy almost any house anywhere uh, in almost every uh, 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 prominent U.S. city for uh, $750,000 U.S. Uh, we, we have got ourselves into a bit of a, of a, of a, of a blind alley here that, that that has bigger implications so maybe as a final question to to, to, to both of you because we're, we're starting to run up against our, our our time today but just sort of thinking about as we start to go down this road and i firmly believe that the policymakers at different levels of government have bought into the notion that we have to do something to bring on more supply because there is that economic development uh, imperative there especially when you think about for example the you know, part of the federal government's recovery strategy as we move beyond COVID-19 will be see a, a substantial increase um, in immigration coming uh, to Canada. And, and the GTA will be, or at least should be, the, the single greatest beneficiary of that, uh, of that immigration. But obviously, they're going to need places to rent. They're going to need places to, to buy um, in, in order to, uh, to, to set up in the, uh, in, in, in the region. So, you know, Thinking about moving forward, um, you know, I guess what are the the initial impediments that we need to overcome from a from a policy perspective to you know move beyond sort of the realization on the policy side of things to you know getting shovels in the ground for um, you know some of these 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 this type of housing. Well, I, I think first of all, make it easy and uh, make it as of right. Uh, you know, one of the difficulties uh, we, we've talked a lot about uh, housing on main uh, new housing on main streets. Um, well, if you have to go through a rezoning process every time you got to do that, uh, you're really going to choke it down uh, because of that. But so you have to say we're going to bite the bullet and make four stories, six stories permitted everywhere uh, along main streets. We're going to have to say that uh, laneway housing, backyard housing, conversions, these are permitted everywhere. So take the risk uh, and the expense of, of an approval process out of it. There's also some other things is that development charges uh, are, it could be looked at very carefully to make this happen more easily. Michelle? Yeah, I, I, I would also say, uh, you know, it's, it's fantastic to see the city of Toronto uh, taking a leadership position on this. Um, 
What would be lovely is to see similar uh, initiatives in some of the suburban communities around Toronto. Um, and it's going to require a different, a different approach. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, it's not one size fits all. Um, it, it's also going to require a slight shift in attitude towards um, towards vehicular uh, traffic and towards things like parking, which are are hugely sensitive in, in many suburban uh, neighborhoods. But, you know, you can't really do infill uh, housing, for example, in traditional suburban neighborhoods if everybody is required to park on a pad on the front of their house. Um, so you, you would need to kind of relax the rules that allow for overnight parking. So, you know, I'm get, getting into a lot of detail, but sure. but I think that the um, the key thing is let's not just focus on Toronto, which is already, I think, going in the right direction. Let's let's hope that um, some of our uh, suburban communities can follow as well and 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 lead in uh, in doing something really interesting that's that's more uh, you know more focused on on the kind of suburban fabric, if you will. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point to end off on. I mean, Treb has, you know, some 60,000 uh, members and, and, and partner board system users that are helping, you know, their, their clients all around the greater Toronto area. And I think, you know, to, to a number, um, they'd all agree that, you know, we could, we could deal with uh, um, or, or, or use more supply throughout the, the greater Toronto area. But there's, uh, you know, different ways to accomplish it depending on, uh, on where we are within the uh, within the large region. So I want to thank you both today, both Joe and Michelle, uh, both for putting together such a great report um, that we included in our in our market year in review and outlook uh, uh, session that we held uh, that we held last week. Uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate your time today as well, uh, taking part in the podcast. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for us. What a fun. Thank you so much. Great. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today's episode. If you enjoyed today's topic, you can discover more insights on the missing middle and the market in general uh, by, by taking a look at Trev's market year review and outlook report at Trev.ca. Thank you very much. And we'll talk again soon. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B.ca to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate, and thank you for tuning in.